Good afternoon from the University of Southern California, and welcome to Annenberg Radio News. For Wednesday, February 4th, I'm Elizabeth Nonamaker. With USC sanctions finally in the past, the university made a statement during National Signing Day today. Max Holm fills us in. USC was already going to have one of the best recruiting classes for football in 2015. And then today, Iman Marshall, the top cornerback in the country, signed for the Trojans. Marshall headlines four five-star recruits, including Rasheem Green, Chuma Adoga, and John Houston. USC also got commitments from 17 additional four-star recruits. With so many high-profile signings, the Trojans have been deemed the top recruiting class by Scout.com and Rivals for 2015. Crosstown rivals UCLA didn't do too badly themselves. UCLA brought in top quarterback Josh Rosen, along with fellow five-star recruits Keyshawn Lucier-South and Soso Jamabo. However, with Marshall on board, the Trojans have trumped UCLA in 2015 recruiting as they look to bounce back from UCLA's recent dominance. With USC scholarships back, the Trojan family has planned to look forward to this fall. Max Holm, Annenberg Radio News. California senators are asking the state to limit who can get exemptions from childhood vaccinations. California is among the states that grant exemptions for personal or religious beliefs. Senators Dianne Feinstein and Barbara Boxer want to limit exemptions to children with medical conditions. The L.A. County Health Department today urged parents to get their kids vaccinated. Dr. Jeffrey Gunsenhauser is interim health officer. As an ambassador for public health, it is my role to dispel pervasive myths that infer the vaccine is not safe or that it causes conditions such as autism. Many parents sought exemptions because of a 1998 study in Lancet magazine that linked the vaccines to autism. That study was later retracted, but the doubts it raised lingered. According to the LA Times, California granted nearly 13,500 vaccination exemptions last year. Rap kingpin Suge Knight remains hospitalized today. Alexia Narcisse has an update. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department is not releasing information on where Suge Knight is being treated. He was hospitalized yesterday when he complained of chest pains just after his arraignment on murder charges. Knight is charged with a hit-and-run accident in Compton in which one man was killed and another injured. Knight pleaded not guilty. His lawyer says it was an accident. This incident happened while Knight was out on bail for another case. Knight is being held without bail. He's due in court Monday for a hearing. Funeral services for the victim, Terry Carter, are scheduled for Saturday at noon at a Los Angeles church. Alexia Narcisse, Annenberg Radio News. LAPD is investigating a staff member at a Santa Clarita school after reports of inappropriate conduct with minors. The students at Albert Einstein Academy who were involved in the incident say it took place 20 miles away in Tahunga. The principal says the employee was a male member of the athletic department and no longer works at the school. Details of the report have not been released and no arrests have been made. Some 500 students filled a South Los Angeles high school gym this morning to hear Russell Simmons make a plea. Madeline Ullis has more on his message. And I'm asking you today to take a pledge to be peaceful. Entrepreneur and music mogul Russell Simmons talked to students at Dorsey High School about making the right choices during a time of racial and political turmoil. I'm here today to talk about peace because the programs that we promote, the, the groups that you join, 
The activities that you choose, they're part of being peaceful. It's an action. Simmons also led the students in a four-minute meditation as a segue to create peace in their community. Dorsey senior Marcel Richardson meditated for the first time today. I do have a, like, a lot of stress around my house and around my household, so being able to bring that back to my household and telling people that, you know, this is how you can relieve stress and relieve negativity is very powerful. The Peace Pledge was sponsored by Simmons company RushCard, which offers consumers prepaid credit cards who may not have access to a traditional bank account. RushCard created the Keep the Peace Initiative, a national grant program that supports nonprofits like Community Coalition, which helped put on today's event. Simmons also announced he's going to fill the Dorsey High School Library with copies of his best-selling books, including Super Rich, A Guide to Having It All. Madeline Ools, Annenberg Radio News. President Barack Obama's federal budget includes $5 million for West Coast Earthquake Early Warning System. Casey Tamkin has the story. President Obama set aside more than $1 billion for California infrastructure projects in his 2016 budget proposal. Obama intends to build an earthquake warning system for the West Coast. This is the first time that the earthquake warning system has been written into the president's budget, and lawmakers are hoping that the president's support will encourage private businesses and state governments to also contribute financially to the project. Casey Tampkin, Annenberg Radio News. Mayor Eric Garcetti announced he will now back Nuri Martinez in her race for re-election to city council. The announcement marks a switch for Garcetti, who supported former state lawmaker Cindy Montanez two years ago. Garcetti says Martinez has since proven herself as the best candidate to represent the Valley. Also today, L.A. District Attorney Jackie Lisi announced she will run for a second term. UCLA's Steve Tisch's Brain Sport program kicked off a four-city tour today, focusing on how football training methods can reduce concussions in younger athletes. Rania Aniftos has more. Dr. Christopher Giza, the director of the UCLA Steve Tisch Brain Sport program, discussed today how training methods for both college and professional football players can help decrease concussions. So now we're limited to 90 minutes a week of contact over two period over two days, and it's something that we've been doing already. Once we get into our season, we don't even hit anymore in practice. We just kind of are like full speed, but not to contact, and then we just you know the full contact comes when we play it in, in the game, not at practice. The events are intended to help schools meet the constraints of the recent California Assembly Bill requiring less contact on high school practice fields. The program was revamped in May 2014 with a $10 million donation to the Department of Neurosurgery by New York Giants co-owner Steve Tisch. Dr. Giza's first priority with the grant is to develop an age-specific concussion evaluation developed from baseline testing. Rania Niftos, Annenberg Radio News. Nearly 30 birds were released today in the San Francisco Bay Area after bird handlers cleaned a mysterious gray gunk from their feathers. The International Bird Rescue Organization began its rescue mission in January, gathering nearly 400 birds for cleaning. The odorless substance, which felt like rubber cement, affected the birds' ability to warm themselves in the cold. State investigators haven't determined the source of the mystery material. It was a volatile day on Wall Street. The Dow Jones traded up a hair, while the S&P 500 and NASDAQ ended in the red. The Dow was buoyed by Disney, which was up 7% after a report showed an increase in revenue and visitors to its theme parks. 
The other big story was Staples agreeing to buy Office Depot for more than $6 billion in cash and stock. That would combine the two largest office supply stores. Investors weren't enthusiastic about the deal with Staples stock falling nearly 12%. Now it's time to explore the origins of English in our segment, Root Source. Avery Atuk fills us in. I know all of us have those days where we can be mad as a hatter, but how does one become mad as a hatter? The phrase mad as a hatter usually refers to someone who is completely crazy, someone who has totally lost their mind. But when the phrase was originally used, it had a more practical meaning. When thinking of this phrase, many think of the character in Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Damn, I forgot all about this. Just show you what I'm supposed to do. Mustard! Mustard, yes, but... But Carroll never referred to the character as mad, just simply as the hatter. During the 19th century, felt hats were all the rage, but not everyone could afford them. In order to give lower-quality hats the look of luxury, mercury was brushed onto the rabbit fur and then dipped into acid. Chemicals on chemicals on chemicals, all on top of one's dome. Historians say it caused many men to go crazy. Mercury has been known to cause extreme effects to the body. So wearing a hat touched by some level of mercury doesn't seem like the best idea. So I guess before telling someone they're mad as a hatter, check and see if they're wearing a low-quality felt hat. L.A. is a car city, but 75 years ago, train culture was vibrant and booming, opening the gateway to the West. Uttara Valuri takes us to one of our city's transit landmarks, where it all began. I've been in Los Angeles for about six months now, and it still amazes me how most people here always complain. They complain about the expense, the bad neighborhoods, the fact that they can't meet their friends because they live so far away, the traffic, and of course there's the public transportation issue. Then, I heard about the historic Union Station. So I went to see what it was like. And walking into the old building feels like going back in time. Union Station was an attempt to bring all the trains that were coming in operated by different railroad operators into one building. That's Tara Thomas. I met her a few weeks ago. She runs tracks which has been a staple of Union Station for the past 18 years. And it was very much a hustle and bustle until after the war, when train travel was sacrificed for airline travel and the automobile. So it did fall into a period of decay for many, many years. Unlike other stations, it isn't very crowded. There aren't too many people passing through and relatively few people waiting. You, so this really is, for an active commuter station, rather quiet. This is the old ticketing hall, and you can just see from the volume of the space and the number of ticket counters how busy this place was when it first opened. And a lot of that was people going off to war and coming in and out. The long, idle space makes me a little uncomfortable. It's a little too quiet. But there's no denying the extravagance and beauty of its architecture. High up on the ceiling are mosaic acoustic tiles and majestic chandeliers. I wonder at the light that shines through the arched windows. It looks tinted, almost sepia, as if I were in a Western. Speaking of cowboys and Westerns, across the arcade from the ticketing hall is the Harvey House restaurant. Let's walk over to the Fred Harvey restaurant. It's named after Fred Harvey, Tara tells me. Fred Harvey was 
an amazing restaurateur and entrepreneur. He ran all the food service on the trains. Also been credited with civilizing the West because he had very strict rules and he brought beautiful women out, the Harvey girls as represented in the movie. And they, um, they all lived in dormitories. They had very <laughs> specific um, look to them. They all had to wear their uniforms. They were all very well supervised, but they brought books out and culture to all these cowboys and the cowboys needed wives. And these ladies were all imported from the East Coast. So it became a hot place to go look at beautiful women and perhaps find a wife and have a great meal too. So this is where you would come just to have a cocktail and if you just wanted to drink and mingle. It's designed to kind of look like a rail car, but with the undulating walls and the brown booths, it gives a little more open space. And let me show you some of my favorite detailing are the bubble glass here, which is evocative <laughs> once again of celebration and elegance. When did it shut down, you said? Uh, 1969. So it, it has been vacant for that long. This is the kitchen. So you can imagine how many meals they've served today. It's almost scary and haunting to look in, but imagine this place filled with, there must have been 75 cooks in here. The door at the back of the kitchen leads to a landscape of trees and benches. Tara and I sit down. On one side of us is a homeless lady with a cart full of plastic bags. On the other side, a young couple sits back to back reading their books. This was the gateway to California. So you're taking the train from Chicago and it's freezing cold. And you walk into this beautiful vista with blue skies and palm trees and pepper trees and rose gardens and birds of paradise. And then you look out and you can see City Hall across the way. So this is how so many people were first exposed to California. And who would ever want to leave after that? She points towards a decorated fountain. These are all public art installations, um, which oddly enough, my mother was the art consultant on. So I guess Union Station's been in my blood for a while. Everything has been taken care of with a great deal of love here. And you have to be a pretty passionate person about this building to have survived 18 years of its ups and downs and highs and lows. And now just watching it really blossom. Even though Angelinos are not big fans of their city's public transit, Union Station is nothing to be ashamed of. This year marks its 75th anniversary and it remains an iconic and indispensable landmark. So much more than a train station, it's a piece of history and a beautiful one at that. That's it for this Wednesday. For all of us here at Annenberg Radio News, I'm Elizabeth Nonamaker. 